How many of you love when, when God shows up in tangible ways? How many of you know we have access to that completely, always, to the presence of God, the power of God, to experience what he wants to do in us, but I, I think even more importantly in this season, through us, through us. Um, clearly, I believe as we've, if you haven't been here all weekend, there's been a common theme. There's been an empowerment coming from a lot of the equipping that's been happening for saints. Can you say saints? Not leaders, not elders, deacons, those who, who might have a function within the body of Christ. Saints, the priesthood of all believers. Tyron said last night, some of you might have missed it like TK, every priest needs a hood or 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 a barrio if you're where I'm from, we, we have been empowered by Jesus to be sent once. If, if you have been in partnership with, with NCMI and understanding this, this apostolic mandate for the church, it is we are sent ones. That, that apostolic word can seem, you know, challenging or very religious, but that, that word apostle is a sent one. It's, it's, if you think of apostolic and missio, missio being Latin, apostolic being um, the Greek, they're, they're the same word as those who go, those of us who, who go, and, and how do we go unless we're sent? And we have to come to grips with the fact that God is sending his people into the highways and to the byways to preach the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. It's the only message that we have. There's no other message that we've been given. And I think we also need to come with the, to grips with the fact that this is a mandate. A lot of times when you think about evangelism and you think about going, we think of evangelism as a gift. And so most people within churches will automatically step back and say, that is not my gifting. I'm not an evangelist. And so they step back and, and, and they treat evangelism like a gift. And you think about all of the gifts that have been given to the church. And I'm not speaking specifically about the Ephesians 4 gifts. I'm, I'm speaking about these spiritual giftings that have been given to all of the people of God. I mean, it's tongues was mentioned uh, uh, a bit. And you just think of all these gifts that we believe that we get to pick and choose from. And so there's these giftings that are laid out on the table like a smorgasbord for the people of God to just consume and, and, and allow God to, to put inside of us so that they can be an outer working of that in our lives. I think we treat evangelism as one of those that we can give or take. And I'm telling you, the people of God can no longer treat evangelism as a gifting. It is a mandate for the saints it is a mandate for the people of God to get out there with the message of God to point people to the Son of God. Amen. Evangelism, it's when, when we see the, uh, uh, a mature gift of evangelism, it's like spotting a unicorn. Like, wow, look at that. And he's so gifted. Man, he's so awesome. It, it, we, we just, we celebrate like these mature giftings. And I'm telling you, finding an evangelist in a church should not be like spotting a leprechaun. We have to step up and recognize that this is a mandate for us as a people, as a people. As, I was, as we were worshiping, I just felt just the, oh man, the tender heart of God over this room. 
Uh, I started feeling the heart of God for, for the city of Chicago. I started feeling it for the Midwest, for Columbus, and just the, this heart of God for these regions. And, and, and when you think about the heart of God for these regions, it's not just this tender heart. And it, as I was processing everything that was happening in the room and where potentially this could go tonight, uh, just dropped on me that Jesus wept. And I'm like, okay, why that, Lord? I, I don't feel like crying tonight. I want to come, you know, boldly. I want to be, I want to be a Marine tonight. I don't want to be a, a, a crybaby pastor on the stage tonight. And, and, and this, this Jesus wept. And I'm, I'm like, okay, you know, that's the shortest verse in the Bible. I learned that in Sunday school, right? <laughs> you don't have to be too prophetic to remember that one. Jesus wept. The, the Sunday school version would be because his friend Lazarus died. And his connection with this friend caused him to weep. That's the Sunday school version of it. When we think of the eternal version of it, the father's will was broken. Man has to experience death because of sin. And when we think about Jesus' mandate on the earth, he carried not only the Father's heart, but the Father's will. And the Father's will is not one should perish. Yes. Not one. Yeah. And when we think about Jesus in the flesh, Emmanuel, fully God, fully man, seeing Lazarus pass, it was an eternal condition that was being realized in his life on this earth. And we have to begin to get an eternal perspective about heaven and hell. We have to have an eternal perspective about life and death. And, and, and I, I really believe, friends, we need a paradigm shift again around this thing of evangelism. Isaiah 55 tells us that the Lord's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And his ways are higher than our ways. As far as the heavens are from the earth, so are the Lord's thoughts higher than our thoughts. And his ways higher than our ways. Which means there is a kingdom atmosphere that you and I have to begin to step into. And that atmosphere is eternal. It's not finite. It's not earthly. There's another. It's an, and I know this feels mysterious. And, and it should because we're talking about the kingdom of heaven. We're talking about eternity. We're no longer talking about just living and breathing here on this planet. If salvation was an earthly thing, I don't believe Jesus would have had to ever die on a cross. Yes. We're talking eternal. Eternal. We've been in, in a, a series at our church about our core values. And... The, the pandemic has really forced us, like I believe many of us, to really evaluate what we value as a church and what we're gonna give ourselves to as a church. And if, if you have experienced the shakings that we have experienced in Los Angeles, then you know there's a lot of fluff. Jesus tore off the church allowed to be broken off the church. And we had to go back and we look at these foundations that are, are who we are and, and we have to, had to start being really honest with ourselves about two things. Number one, what are our espoused values? 
and that espoused value, you can kind of get that word spouse out of there. It's those values that we're married to. The values that we say we have. This is, hey, this is Restoration Los Angeles, and these are the things that we value. This is what we project to the world of who we want to be. And there's a very big difference between espoused values and embodied values. See, espoused values are those values we say, we project, we put them on our website. These are the values that we have as a church. The embodied values are not just the values that we are projecting and saying, they are the the values that we are actually living out. They're the the values that, that people, we don't have to tell them, listen friends, that we are about going to the nations because we do go to the nations. We, we don't have to tell them and put it on a website that we, that every person matters because we, we live that out as a people. And I think in regards to this thing of, of evangelism, we would all say that yes, we, we value evangelism. But do we embody evangelism? Now friends, you can very easily dismiss yourself from this conversation because you're thinking leaders. And you're thinking those with the gift to do it. But I'm telling you, friends, I want to turn that on its head tonight, if you guys would allow me to. Are you guys good with me? All right. So here, here's, here's a value that we have put into words that we carry. God has commanded us to spread the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone, everywhere. We send empowered and equipped disciples of Jesus into the world Every member of our community is a missionary every day. That's a a pretty good statement. (laughs) Reading it, like, yes, that's that's who we want to be. But are we? There's words in here like equipped and empowered. There's things in here that we really have to begin to look at as churches and, and, and even begin to ask ourselves as saints, am I empowered and am I equipped and do I embody these things? I don't think it's a, a secret that Jesus was a sender. Jesus, Jesus was an amazing sender, but here he wasn't just a sender. Jesus was an equipper. Right? It wasn't just, you know, hey, let's preach it from the front. Now go out and do it. Jesus had this model of equipping that was unrivaled. Listen, he equipped his disciples to go in power by his word to do some amazing things. He equipped through verbal teaching, which I think the church is amazing at, through verbal teaching. But he equipped also, listen, friends, through demonstration. And then he did equipping this way, by releasing and, and I don't know if we even feel like releasing is equipping. How many of you know that, I, I mean, I believe this in my own experience, that on-the-job training is the best kind of training. Yes. And you got to just, just let people start doing it, right? You never know that you know how to drive until you get into the car. You could take all the written tests in the world that you want, but until you get behind that wheel, you're not going to know if you know how to drive. And I believe that, that the church is amazing at passing written tests. What about behind the wheel? How is our behind the wheel? 
How, how is that going for us, right? The pattern of Jesus' ministry, verbal teaching, demonstration, sending out. What I love about Jesus is Jesus never asked anyone to do anything that he wasn't willing to do himself. Even to the point of death. Friends, we have to do such a better job of equipping saints for what Jesus has called each and every one of us to do. I think that this isn't the church's experience today. I mean, just think about it. You think about the conferences that are put out there. I mean, there's all these other giftings that we wrap things around. I mean, prophetic conferences and, and you just think all these other giftings. There's all these giftings conferences that you go to and you can go and you be trained and equipped in all these giftings. How many of you have signed up to go to an evangelism conference? We should start one. Yeah. I actually think this last few days has been one. So if you haven't been here, you're missing it. But listen, friends, the, 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 the equipping goes far beyond the teaching. It goes far beyond the teaching. We need to begin to empower and release and demonstrate. And, and, and honestly, when's the last time we took our church into our communities and ministered into the community in real tangible ways? And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to freak some of you out. Um, there's nothing I am not willing to try to reach people for Jesus. Nothing. I'm, I'm not a hero. Trust me, I'm not a hero. But I've done crazy things for, for, for the devil. And so I, I, I count it as nothing to do anything that Jesus asked me. Anything. I mean, I, I will wash feet on Skid Row, and I do, in order to reach someone for Jesus. I, I will sign up to be an MLS chaplain, and I know nothing about soccer, to, to, to reach professional players for Jesus. Like, I mean, it's embarrassing. I knew nothing about soccer, and they asked me. I'll, I'll, do, I'll do anything. Like, there's just nothing that I won't do to do that. But, and, and again, not, not because I'm a hero. But I'm telling you, we talk ourselves out of doing things that Jesus asked us to do. When it comes to any other arena in our life, we will, hell or high water, be there and sign up to make something happen. When we have a paradigm shift about this eternal thing, about life and death, right? And salvation is not about making bad people good. It's about bringing dead people back to life. This is why when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, he was breaking the back of the enemy who was trying to show a pattern of death on Jesus' planet. I believe the church has this, this, the verbal teaching down, maybe even some of the going, but friends, the equipping for the works of service. And what greater service than to bring people from death to life? How many believers actually go out and practice evangelism? How many followers of Jesus go out with a mentor or leader to preach the gospel? How many witnesses of Christ actually believe that they are sent ones? That you are a missionary every day in your sphere, at work, at school, in your city, in every arena that the Lord, how many of you believe that God has sent you to that place? Yes, come on. Amen. I really believe sometimes it's challenging because the American model of the church is, is, is not about the going, it's about build it and they will come. And I'm not talking about buildings. I'm talking about the programs. 
I'm talking about all of the things that we do in an attractional style church. And I heard someone say that church is so much more than a bunch of gifted people pulling off a service on Sunday morning. Think about that. We are here to be equipped for the works of service. And the greater service that we will ever provide to the world is to bring them to Jesus. John 17, 18, um, Jesus says, "Is just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus is sending you into the world? Or is that someone else? I'm gonna, I'm gonna be in your face a little bit tonight, if that's all right. I think it was, it was D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody said this, he goes, it's clear that you don't like my way of doing evangelism. He's like, but I think I like my way of doing evangelism than your way of not doing it. (laughs) Friends, we have to be emboldened with this mandate and this message that we have been given. I I loved the preachers this morning. I mean, just the, the, not, not only some of the tangible things that we can do, but the passion, the faith, the stirring, if you, do you have, are those recorded? Yeah. yeah, we need, go go listen to TKs, go listen to Dave's. I mean, just, that's just stepping out in faith to be emboldened by God. Let, let's, go, please go back and listen to those. So let's, let's take a look at what Jesus did. Luke chapter 19, verses one through nine. One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and he gave them power. Can you say power? Power, power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. He sent them, say sent them. He sent them out, listen, to tell everyone. He sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He says, take nothing for your journey, he instructed them. Don't take a walking stick, a traveling bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. Wherever you go, stay in the same house until you leave, leave that town. And if a town refuses to welcome you, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. So they began their circuit of the villages preaching the good news and healing the sick. They were able to do this for a few reasons. One, Jesus had taught them. Two, Jesus had already demonstrated it. Three, he was now releasing them. But he didn't just release them, pat them on on the shoulder and say, hey, have at it. He empowered them. He empowered them. Right? Listen, listen, um, the counterpart to this portion of scripture is Mark chapter 6, verse 12 says this. So the disciples went telling everyone they met to repent of their sins and turn to God. Is this still our message? Is this still our message? I mean, I, I, I think the greatest form of evangelism now used on this planet is, oh, you should come to my church. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. We know that they're going to encounter, encounter the, the Spirit of God, and that's our hope and, and our trust. But do we believe that the Spirit of the living God is embodied within us, and because we carry that, we don't have to invite them to the church. We are bringing the church to them. We, we are, the, are the temple of the Spirit of God. We've been empowered to bring Jesus to them. Luke 10. So beyond the 12, it says this, Luke 10, verse 10, it says, no, sorry, verse 1. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples. Say other disciples. Because we can read these passages and be like, oh, that was the 12. I mean, they walked with them for three and a half years. I mean, and she, of course, they could do that kind of stuff. Now there's 72 others, just so we know. 72 others. Not Peter, James, John, people we never met. People will never know their names. Others. 
And what, what I'm, why I'm pointing that out is because I want us to take the stigma off of there are a select few who do these things. Yeah. 72 others. He, took, he sent them out ahead in pairs, all the towns and the places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, listen, friends, but the workers are few. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. Another version would say that the harvest is plentiful. Or the harvest, or the wheat is white, it's ready. The harvest is ready, but the workers are few. Who is going to go and reap this harvest? So pray to the Lord, listen, who is in charge of the harvest, and ask him to send more workers into his field. I think the faith action behind this prayer is not just this, this, this kind of prayer of, Lord, please send workers who will come and evangelize our city. It's how about workers are risen up within the church. The living body of Christ to go and to be the workers of this harvest. So we're not praying for some people to come and yes, we can pray for 11th hour workers and we want all that kind of stuff. We've prayed those prayers. But friends, workers need to be equipped and released within the body of Christ. The Bible says that faith without works is dead. So just thinking about the faith behind workers to be released, and yet we're not putting faith behind that and equipping saints to be evangelists. So the harvest is great, the workers are few, so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest, ask him to send more workers into his field, and he says this, now go, say the word go, go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. There's no surprise here, friends, this is not going to be easy. There's no surprise here that, that, yes, it is going to feel like you're being thrown out to a pack of woods, but we can't forget every other verse in the Bible that says that Jesus is with us. The Great Commission says, and, and, and know this, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. And I think we, we, we can read that verse and yeah, we're, we're like little lambs going out to the wolves. We are the saints of the Most High God. I remember someone was prophesying over me one time and he said this. He said, you're not going to be a Christian who is in heaven saying, come on, it's wonderful. Come to heaven with me. That you're going to be a Christian who is standing at the gates of hell, snatching people from the enemy's hands. And I think we have to ask ourselves what kind of church we want to be. Are we going to be the church who, like TK uh, was encouraging us this morning, that is bringing, sending out invitations, are we going to be the church who is declaring? The Bible says that the church, of the church, that the gates of hell will not prevail against her. Which means that we, we in order for us to know that, that we, we, we're probably going to be playing really close to those gates. The gates of hell will not prevail against the Lord's church. What kind of Christians are we going to be? Ones experiencing eternity and inviting everyone up or ones who are fighting in the trenches at the gates of hell, snatching people out of the enemy's hands. This is life and death. You with me? So um, a little bit after that passage, we see, um, oh, again, he says, now go remember that I am sending you out as land. 
lambs among wolves, don't take any money with you, nor a travel bag, nor extra pairs of sandals, and don't stop to greet anyone on the road. I'm telling you, friends, if we wait for all the stars to align, and if we wait to have everything that we need to do perfect evangelism, and if we wait to have all of the you know, things that, are, that make us comfortable in our world, I'm telling you, we're never going to do it. And so Jesus strips all that away. Don't take extra sandals. Don't take extra clothes. Don't take a walking stick. Don't take extra money. You don't need any of those things to spread the good news of Jesus in this world. And don't be distracted. If I've sent you on a mission, don't be distracted. How many of you have ever talked yourself out of sharing Jesus with someone? You're like, like right, we set up God, right? So we're in line at Walmart, and, and you're just like, and the Holy Spirit's tapping on your shoulder. and like, you got, you got to tell him. And if you're in line at Walmart, you're in there for a long time. So you're just like... Man, and so we're like, all right, Lord, well, if this happens, then, you know, I'll do it, right? And so we, 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 put, we put up all these roadblocks on, on whether or not we're going to evangelize when the Holy Spirit has already said so, right? And so we're like, all right, well, if their kid starts crying, I'm not sharing Jesus with them, you know, like, or, or whatever, you know, and what is the devil going to do? He's going to pinch that kid's toe and then forget it. You're like, you're not going to share Listen, and don't stop and greet anyone on the road. Don't be distracted by anything else when God has told you to do something. If God has asked you to share Jesus with someone, how could we ever just stop along the road and take our time? It's life and death, friends. Why would we stop? A little further down, um, then he said to this, verse 16 on Luke 10, then the disciple said, anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. Anyone who rejects you is rejecting me, and anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. Friends, as personal as it feels, especially when you're sharing Jesus with someone you love, it is not you that they're rejecting. We have to take ourselves out of the equation when it comes to life and death because it's not about us. We're in. If you have said yes to Jesus, you're in. Like, there, there's, like what, are, what should be our worry? It is no longer about us. It's about a mandate from our king. And it's about life and death for those who have not accepted Christ. Right? When the 72 disciples returned, listen, friends, they were jo- joyfully reporting to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Friends, even in Jesus' day, they were so captivated by the charismatic gifts that they weren't even paying attention to the fact that people were coming from death to life. And I'm not saying we, we, we want those gifts. We want, I mean, honestly, friends, they're paired up. They come together. We can't pick and choose. But friends, there is a value system in heaven. Luke 15 says, all heaven rejoices when one person comes to Christ. Over 99 who are already righteous. So the value of a system of heaven is, listen, is when one person comes to Jesus, it gets heaven's attention. I know we like to think when we show up to church on Sunday, all heaven goes, ah, right? We, we love that, right? And I showed up on time. E- extra credit, I came 15 minutes for that little prayer meeting before service started, right? We think all heaven rejoices. No, all Heaven rejoices when one sinner comes to repentance. They were like, demons obey us, Jesus. And listen to Jesus, friends. 
18, yes, he told them, because he knows, of course they do. They know who I am. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Rejoice because now their names are registered in heaven. Rejoice because people are no longer condemned to a place that was never created for them. There's a shift that happens from from these early passages of Jesus encouraging, equipping, and releasing, right? And so he's doing it with them. He's releasing them to do it. And then comes the Great Commission. I'm no longer going to be able to be alongside of you physically for you to do this. And, And an encouragement and an equipping, listen, friends, now become direct orders, and in, in, in being, being a military guy, it kind of feels like this to me. You're in boot camp, right? And you get to do a lot of cool stuff. You get to fire big guns. You get to go to the rifle range. You got to get to do all these maneuvers like you're doing. But you have instructors around you who are guiding you and who are equipping you to do, you know, the things that you're called to do as, as a Marine, in my case. And there, there's graduation. And now you get orders, And those orders are now you being released to do the thing that you have been equipped to do. And this is what the Great Commission is. It's no longer an encouragement. It's no longer, hey, come on, you can do it. It's now, these are direct orders from your commander-in-chief. This is the Great Commission. And I love that it's called a commission because we are on commission with Christ. If if, if I've preached, you've heard me say that a thousand times. We are on a commission with Christ. This is his mission. We get to be a part of it. Right? And then he told them, go, say go. Go into all the world. Preach, listen, friends, the good news to everyone. To the people we're comfortable with. To the people groups we're comfortable with. To the communities we're comfortable with. To everyone. Anyone who believes, anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. How powerful. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. That's a harsh counter truth. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak and new languages. Amen, Caden? They will be able to handle snakes with safety. I don't recommend you guys pulling out snakes. If you, uh, Whatever. If they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. These are the things that accompany those who go in the name of the Lord. Do you believe that? Now, you probably are espoused to that value. But do you embody that value? So I'm not... not, when I ask if you believe that, let me ask this way, rhetorical. Do you embody that? Do you embody that? Matthew 28, um, 
Jesus says this great commission counterpart to Mark. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority. Say all authority. In heaven and on earth, therefore go. That word therefore, I mean, there's this transference that just takes place. I have been given all authority on heaven, in heaven and on earth. Therefore, I mean, there's this transference that takes place. Therefore go, right? And make disciples of all nations. Again, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach, listen, friends, these new disciples to obey. That is a dramatic pause there because there's more. Teach them to obey. Americans hate that word. <laughs> and every culture within the American culture hates that word. Who? Obey. Friends, the kingdom of God is not a democracy. And for the saints of God, the Great Commission can no longer be an option or a suggestion. These are the marching orders of God's army. We can't take it or leave it. Salvation is not some social club. Uh, someone talked, it's not about membership. When I was growing up, I was in a church. If you were baptized, you became a member of the church. If you didn't get baptized, you couldn't be a member, and so you can't vote. Maybe you've experienced some of that stuff. This is not what we're talking about. We're talking about heaven and hell. We're talking about life and death. Obey, which includes this very commandment that he's giving. To go into all the world and to preach the gospel and to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. Saints, be sure of this. That I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So when we feel like we are lambs being sent out to the wolves, God is with us. He's with us. I mean, can you imagine how many of you have like gone through fits, like going out to do something for Jesus because you're just terrified? He's with us. I mean, the presence of God, it, it, it takes away all anxiety, the sh that shalom atmosphere that should envelop us when Jesus is with us, should embolden us to not quiver when it comes to this thing of evangelism. And somehow we just shy away from it, talk ourselves out of it. Let me, let me, give, you, give, me give us some, um, some handles. Is that cool? All right, so if you're taking notes, I, I normally don't do this kind of stuff, but... It, it came to me in this way. So if you're, if you're writing down notes, just write good news like downward, and then we're going to use every letter to help us. You cool? The good news, right? You can't preach the good news unless you know the good news. How many of you know that? If, if, if the good news hasn't gripped your heart, you're not able to preach the good news. So you have to know what the good news is, right? The good news of Jesus Christ. If you want to put it in a pocket-sized John 3.16 form, I mean, that's cool. But I'm telling you, friends, we have to understand the good news. The good news has to grip us. We have to know, we have to have a revelation of the good news of Jesus Christ. TK did an amazing, powerful way of, of demonstrating that to us today. Study the gospel, friends. Study the gospel. 
Know what's the good news. Know how it has impacted your life. Know you're going to get hit with questions. And I'm telling you, you might not be able to answer all the theological questions. You not, and you might not be able to answer the most intelligent atheist who studied the Bible probably more than you have to stump you with all the questions. But I'm telling you, when you know the gospel and it is preached under the power of the Spirit, there's nothing greater. Jesus is perfect theology. Know the gospel, study the gospel, revisit your salvation. Revisit how Jesus brought you from death to life, right? What's so good about Jesus? You have to be able to answer this question because that's the good news. Put it in your own words and tell the world about him, right? This is the good news. Oh, opportunity. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit. The, to- the Holy Spirit will tell you to share Jesus. And yeah, it's going to be in the, in, in, in the most inconvenient time. It's going to be at Walmart. And it's going to be when you're getting your hair cut. I mean, there's all, all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's going to be on a plane. Yeah. I mean, that should excite you because they got nowhere to go. <laughs> and you probably have some time. Right? Listen to the Holy Spirit. Be intentional. Don't leave it to chance. Right? Like a little earlier, like you're like, well, if this happens and this happens and then I'll do it. Don't leave it to chance. Be intentional. Be intentional. Right? Be prayed up. Keep in step with the Spirit. Be prayed up. Keep in step with the Spirit. Listen, create opportunities. Put yourself in positions to share Jesus. The Holy Spirit will lead you in these places. Allow him to guide you. He will. Right? Good news. Oh, opportunity. Oh, obedience. Jesus said to go. How many of you parents have, how many of you like to ask your kids to go? And they, they're like, go, now go, right? We just like, I mean, I, I got to believe that Jesus is in heaven telling us, go, go, <laughs> go already, right? Jesus already said go. Obedience isn't an act of faith if, if, if we're living in fear, friends. That faith has to replace the fear, Right? John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. That's Jesus' love language. Obey Jesus. Be obedient. D, disciples. Disciples only have one message, and that's the gospel. If you're preaching anything else, you're you're not preaching the message that we've been given. Disciples make disciples. Disciples make disciples. This is what we do. Disciples cannot be made without a response to the gospel. Listen, friends. We cannot start start discipling anyone who has not responded to the gospel. It starts with this good news. You good? And now. Now. Now is the time. Now is the time. Not next week. Not next year. Not if I get the opportunity. Now is the time. Now is the time. Well, I don't know if I'm prepared. You're prepared. Spirit of the living God lives inside you. You have all you need. Listen, don't delay. We were taught in the military that, that uh, delayed obedience is disobedience. If you delay a direct order, someone dies. I mean, in, the, in military language, right? If it's like, get down, and you're like, why? Why do I got to get? <laughs> Did you hear him? Did he say get down? No. Now, 
Listen, there should be an urgency in our spirits, friends. There should be an urgency in our spirits. Okay, E, everyone, everywhere. Everyone, everywhere. The gospel needs to be preached to all corners of the globe. Acts chapter one, verse eight, listen to this. But you will receive power, say that again with me, power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you, listen friends, will be my witnesses. Forgive me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Star Wars dude. I hear that in Yoda language. You will be my witnesses. I won't do it. I won't do the Yoda voice, but you, you will be. <laughs> you, listen friends, I'll wave my hand. You will be. <laughs> you will be my witnesses. Listen friends, you will, why? Because the spirit of the living God is upon you. You will be my witness, listen to this, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There's a progression, right? Starts where we're at, and man, it just gets global. It gets global. I love that about God. He's not just about us and our people. He's also about them and their people. Are you with me? All right. um, W is witnesses. We just read that. But you will receive power. Listen, friends, we all love the gifts of the Spirit. But just think about this. The power of God to be witnesses. We want the power of God to do all the other cool stuff. Right? We want the power to prophesy and to discern. and We want the power to lay hand. But the power to be witnesses. The power of God, listen, friends, to be a witness. And what does a witness do? A witness can only give test, testify of what he has seen. What have you seen? Because if you testify of something that you haven't seen, what is that? It's a false witness. What have you seen? How has Jesus revealed himself to you? I like this in, in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It um, says this of the disciples. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Have you been with Jesus? Because if you've been with Jesus, man, you, you can witness. <laughs> you get to testify. You good? S, last one, salvation. Friends, salvation is serious. This isn't some take it or leave it social club. This is a a heaven or hell issue. It's life, death. There are eternal ramifications for acceptance of the good news or a rejection of our Savior. The priority of salvation within this kingdom, friends. All heaven rejoices. <laughs> I mean, you just think of, of, of the great feast, right? And all these invitations that go out. God wants his house to be full. You've also probably heard me say this. We as Americans, we, we always want what we paid for. If you've ever been to another nation and tried to return something to get your money back, good luck. Good luck. I was in another nation. I won't say what nation it is because I'll probably offend people in here. Um, 
yeah. Canada. <laughs> yeah. I bought a cell phone. I'm not kidding you. This is, I bought a cell phone because I was going to be in another nation and figured I'd, I'd probably miss a step. I turned right around and tried to return it. And they're like, no, we have to get um, uh, acceptance from corporate in order to give you your money back. I was like, I just bought it. Like, I didn't even open it. There was like nothing. I just bought it, turned around, had an epiphany, and maybe I should have done another step, tried to return it, and they needed like corporate's approval in order for me to return it. Americans, we want what we pay for, and we want our refunds. I'm asking people take, I've seen people take half-eaten cakes back to Costco. Like, it's, it's, it's bad, so bad. If, if we, as privileged Americans, if we understand the feeling of wanting what we paid for, I want us to consider our Father. Our Father wants what He paid for. It was a dear price, a serious price the greatest price. And he wants what he paid for. And you and I have the tools. We've been given the empowerment to go and get it. To go and get it. We have to be more tenacious in this thing of evangelism, friends. Um, Pastors, leaders, how are we equipping the saints that the Lord has put in our care? How are we modeling this thing for them? We're, 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 we're putting on prophetic things and we're putting on, you know, all these other equipping areas in the life of the church and in ministry. What about this area? How many of us have taken people out to minister into our communities, into our neighborhood? People are always asking me, hey, how do you, what do you guys do to reach, reach your, your community? I'm telling you guys, we've thrown everything at the wall. Everything. We've tried everything. What about two-by-two ministry? Oh, I don't know. Like, you mean knock on doors? Like, you really do that? Isn't that biblical pattern? Didn't they go into the communities and knock on doors and ask them in? (laughs) Hey, can we come in and talk to you? Oh, but that's that people group that does that. We don't do that. Do we carry the keys of life or not? We're allowing people to be snatched out of the hand of God through these demonic tools that other people groups have used. And we have the words of life. The words of life. Listen, this Romans chapter 10, 14 says this. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they ever hear about him unless someone tells them? Who's that someone? Who is that someone? In your sphere, who is that someone? We, friends, need an urgency like never before. The Lord wants his house to be full. And I know right now in the the church, and we're all trying to find all of those sheep who have already ran and left, and, you know, we're trying to chase them all down. I'm telling you, there's biblical pattern for that too. In the prodigal son's case, the father waited and looked 
in faith, waiting for that son to come back. And we'll wait with open arms. But friends, there are people who are dying and going to hell while we're chasing saints who have left our community. Where is the priority of heaven? Because all heaven rejoices when one sinner comes to repentance. Can you guys stand with me tonight?